Welcome everyone. My name is Chloe Lynn and I'm joined here with Nick Leonard from SBT Robotics. He heads up product management. He is the senior vice president of product management. And we are here today to talk about lessons learned from deploying over $500 million in automation solutions for supply chain operators. That's a big cool. number. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally up to the day I was thinking about, you know, all the different deployments I've been a part of over my career and started to total it up. Uh, some of the other senior leaders had done it and I was like, yeah, let me just take a look and came with that number. I was like, wow, that's uh, interesting for sure. Yeah. It creeps up on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's probably not hard because every project is 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 a chunk of change. Yeah. I mean, early in the career, I was doing a lot of larger scale deployments, right? So you're doing a lot, a couple million in each one, right? Or sometimes tens of millions of dollars, yeah. hundred million dollars here. So it's not hard to build it up, but uh, yeah, it's it's fun to think about. All right. So that's a great segue into my first question. How did you first get started in this industry? Yeah. So I had no intention of being in the warehousing logistics space intentionally, right? Uh, love being a part of it today, but it's not really something I had set my sights on. Um, just happened to find a listing out of college uh, with a information science degree, was looking for different roles I could use to apply software to problem statements in the real world. Um, and found a job posting for a junior IT project manager position uh, in a large scale logistics company, um, applied for that job, started my journey with project management, really starting to talk about how we apply software controls to automation and how we can bring those things to life. Uh, just kind of fell in love with the problem statement, stay with it ever since. Amazing. And so I believe you were at a systems integrator for quite some time. And I'd love to hear more about what types of problems customers would come to you with to help to help solve. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, often a lot of times let's talk about labor reduction, but one part that we don't talk about is actually keeping a facility online in their existing network for an increased scale, right? So you already have a building that's running really well. We don't necessarily need to remove labor, but we need to increase capacity of facility. And so what a lot of times we're looking at is like, how can we increase storage density? How can we increase like input and output of the building, right? Like receiving, shipping of goods, et cetera. How can we four or five, 10X that throughput? Um, so the customer is not taking yet on another new facility, moving their entire operational staff. They already have something that works, right? So how can we either extend or um, enhance the capabilities of facility? Um, and then a lot of times it's, well, hey, we already have a process, but how can we optimize, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we start to look at software to be that through line so it can be that integrated for their automation journey. Amazing. And could you tell me about some of the challenges with, that would come up when they're you know, working with you, scoping out new solutions, and then having to go piece that together with various, yeah. you know, disparate systems. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So one of the common things that happens is a lot of times there's a very discrete need for automation. So someone says, hey, we're not picking fast enough. Um, we need to have more storage density. We need to have more loading and unloading speed at the dock. Um, there's a problem they're looking at that's very understood uh, operationally. The challenge that's usually not understood is how is that going to translate into automation? And in, especially when somebody's doing their first time journey uh, with automation, there's a couple things that are the first trips that they take, uh, first trips on the yellow brick road, if you will. Um, first one is they probably don't understand the data as deeply as they need to. So um, one of the first things we look at is, you know, how what's the actual throughput of the facility? What does the data tell us the facility's doing? And so a lot of times all of these projects start with a data study of, 
hey, how many order lines are you fulfilling? Uh, what's your what's your uh, dock turn speed? Things like that. Uh, what's your storage density today? What's your days on hand of your goods? And a lot of times that data analysis is is going a lot further than what traditionally ops is looking at. And so the customer learns a lot about their facility during that process. And it can also change the problem statement, right? Because uh, we might have looked at that and said, hey, really, you're you're loading and unloading fast, but your choke point in your operations over here. Or maybe your storage density is not necessarily your issue. It's your days on hand for like certain SKU types, right? So a lot of times the data starts to tell you things early in the process that um, that maybe people don't fully appreciate. Uh, the second piece is that with automation, a lot of times it's the selection of the process that you want to automate that's sometimes the most difficult. And the customer is going to look at it and say, hey, what's the most difficult thing we do, right? Like if we have an engraving process that's in the middle of our shipping or packout procedure, um, what are the most like laborious tasks for folks to do in the warehouse um, that we need to automate? And those are actually not the best ones to be looking at as your first pass. Like you want to look at simplicity to automate first, right? And so um, a lot of times the decision should be like, hey, if I'm driving long distances, straightforward, that's a great automation case, right? Driving's dollars. That's one of the things we talk about. Um, and then also, so I really come back to simplicity, right? Like let's focus on the simplistic movements in the warehouse that we can start to create automation with. Um, and then let's scale up the complexity as we go. Amazing. And then when it comes to actually piecing together, right? So scoping out, really understanding the problem statement and, and selecting that tech. Now, what comes next in that process? Yeah, then it's actually starting to look at how we're going to bring this thing to life, right? So the question at that point has really been material movement, right? So we look at maybe a model, a data model that tells us that the facility is moving this way today. And now we're going to add automation on that. And that's going to change either the flow or it's going to enhance the flow of goods. Might mean that we need to start with some operational changes, right? There's uh, things that we don't do with automation that when we have, or that we don't do with automation that we do, would do with a manual process and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to look at that. I think the next part that we need to look at is um, how is the data going to flow in the systems? Because these automation projects are no longer simple in the case that you just power them up, they run. Right. Um, you need data to start taking intelligence decisions. So that's where software comes into play. Um, and I think that's probably one of the more underappreciated parts of these things is that none of these systems are simple anymore. And so with bringing on a warehouse execution system, integrating your WMS in the solution, now you need to start thinking about the business logic that's going to happen throughout the system um, while you're automating, right? And so I think that's the next part of the journey is really appreciating those requirements, those fundamentals that you'll need to understand. Great. And could you describe maybe some, some projects where you realize sort of the magnitude of that task of actually putting it together um, and reconciling different data models and whatnot? Yeah, what so like? it's, you know, when you're looking at a simple project like a maybe transport automation section, maybe we bring in some AMRs to automate transport from one location to another. Those are relatively straightforward problem statements. I have only so many pickups, yep. positions, drop-offs, et cetera. But when we start to think about like multi-operational interoperability, so like receiving to put away, uh, picking to pack out to shipping, yep. um, and these multi-operational automations, um, now you need to start to think about how one choke point in the system can affect everything downstream. Mm -hmm. um, really, when we were looking at large-scale integrations, you have a lot of bolt down automation stuff that's not easy to change. It's very expensive, mm -hmm. um, but you need that for the throughput of the facility. And it's a really great solution for what you need. 
The challenge is that you have to get it right the first time and you have to build in flexibility. So how do you build flexibility to do an inflexible hardware package? Yeah. And um, that's one of the next things we have to look at is um, how does how does system changes over here affect three steps down the line, right? Yeah. That maybe is not so intuitive, right? right. Um, how can certain situations happen that maybe devalue another part of the solution, right? Um, and those are really kind of the, the sweet science of building out automation solutions at scale, right? Especially yeah. when you're talking about a $100 million facility, yeah. you're talking large-scale systems, yeah. our conveyor, uh, like yeah. its conveyor, all these yeah. big solutions, right? Yeah. Um, so it's the larger you go, the more complex you get, the more data study, the more, yeah. um, the more analysis you're doing for it to make sure you get it right. Absolutely. All right, so could you tell me a little bit about reasons why an automation project might fail or be less successful than, than anticipated? Yeah, so let's come back to the operation we're selecting, right? One of the first challenges we get wrong is that we select the wrong operation to automate, right? And, um, and we need to look at simplicity first. That's uh, when we get too complex early on, that can cause an opportunity for failure or not hitting the intended ROI because you have too many things you have to get right in the process, right? While we're also learning how to deploy automation maybe for the first or second time in a facility. Um, the next part is we need to start looking at uh, the data that tells us the truth about what the system needs to do. Um, quite often the data is taken manually and not automatically. And so um, that's great. You're getting shift reports, you're getting those things understood. Um, but if you size the facility off of error data and the larger you go, the more complex, the more challenging it's going to be to hit the intention, the intentional ROI of the facility um, and get the benefit out of the automation that you want to see. Mm -hmm. um, the next piece is selection of the right technology, right? So now you have a problem set you want to you want to solve for, let's say picking or put away or receiving in your docs. And now you need to decide what technology is out there to help me solve my problem. You know, we were at ProMat uh, this year. Um, there's over 250 robotics vendors out there, right? And so now as a customer, I have a ton of opportunities and technologies I can choose from, but what is the right solution for mm -hmm. me for my problem statement, right? right? Because there's benefits to all the technologies out there. And so part of the challenge is selecting the right technology for the right problem statement, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, yeah, so next, one of the most important things we need to start looking at is IT involvement earlier on, customer IT involvement mm -hmm. earlier on yep. in the process, whether that's part of the WMS team, whether that's the IT networking group, uh, the CIO's team yep. in the organization, uh, because what we're seeing more and more is these systems are integrated by default. They're not standalone systems like they used to be with the yep. PLC running them. They're most likely tied into a WMS. They're most likely yep. tied into some intelligent system. And so now you need to start thinking about, do I have a good IT strategy to support this automation deployment? Um, is that team aware of any security concerns? Is it cloud first? Is it on-premise? Um, really following the IT strategy that the business needs to solve for long-term. And then lastly, and the most important is, can we get these systems to talk to each other, right? Um, do we have the right integration technology? Um, are they compatible? Do we have the right data to enable the outcomes that we need? That's really one of the biggest questions that's not answered earlier on. And so if we can engage that team earlier on, I think we really can start to see a lot more success in that, in that process. Great. And just to dive into one thing you said at the end, um, you know, I've been in the tech space for all of my career and I've, you know, seen lots of projects where you bring in some cool technology and now you need everything to talk to each other and speak the same language. And that is 
not an easy task. But I think coming into the supply chain industry and thinking about automation in this space, it's just at a whole nother level. Yeah. So you could dive in a little bit more and give light into what makes it particularly hard in this space. Yeah, great question. So uh, let's go all the way back to infrastructure, right? Yeah. Uh, we think about a recent stat. We were, we were updating these numbers recently and 70% of the warehouses in the United States out of 50,000 facilities are still running off of paper, Excel, maybe laser printers, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't have a WMS or a paperless system running facility. Um, so when you think about the level change of going from that to like an automated picking solution, um, the first problem you might have is infrastructure. Do I have internet connectivity to the site that can support yeah. the input and outputs yeah. to talking to the cloud yeah. fleet manager or something of that nature? Yeah. A lot of times we're talking to customers and they're like, oh, I need to upgrade my internet connection. Yeah. It's the first thing because all we've been serving is phones and maybe some basic web browsing. Um, the second step is, do we have Wi-Fi coverage in the building? Um, now you have IT folks that are, you have IT folks that are now asked to cover infrastructure in the building that is vastly more complex than what they had prior. So sometimes the customer is not even fully prepared to handle that level of infrastructure that comes with the automation, right? So the automation has a specific ROI tied to it, but there's infrastructure and other costs that really adds to that total cost of ownership for the customer that's often not talked about until we're already kind of down the road with the, with the project. Um, lastly, and most important is, okay, now we have all the infrastructure in place, we can get the systems connected in the same environment. They're on the same switches. Do they, are they even compatible to talk to each other? And guess what? No two APIs for any systems are written the same. Um, even if they are in the same technology like RESTJSON or SOAP XML, they're not written with the same data tags, right? So now I need to figure out, well, how do I map the data from this system to this system? Um, so if I'm just trying to get pick tasks from a WMS down to a picking solution, just doing that step can be weeks worth of effort and labor um, on the customer and the, the integrator side, right? Um, and it's, it's usually not happening until after the project's already in motion. And then what happens when you want to introduce new technology or business requirements might change? How does that impact what has already been built, right, for that initial deployment? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, the first problem is, is that you may find in just doing the baseline integration that there's data missing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that starts you on a journey of, of customizing some of the technology. It's really painful for everyone involved because now there's a negotiation. Well, who's going to take on this work? Right. Who's going to pay for it? Um, who's going to get it done by the original timeline? Like, do, are we impacting the timeline of the project, et cetera? Um, and then we get all that done. We go live, we high five, everybody's yeah. happy. Um, the system's you're running like a top. And now six months later, or even three months later, in some cases, we learned something about our facility. We're now running, it's like, hey, we, we need to change this. We need to automate that. Hey, that decision we took over here could be optimized if we made this, this if case happen. Um, and so now you have to go all the way back to the drawing board yeah. and see, okay, well, if I make that logic change, how does it impact everything else in the system? Not only just on the integration side, but maybe the material flow mm -hmm. of the system, right? Because if I change how like totes are routed on a conveyor, that might change my uh, congestion in one side mm -hmm. of the system, right? Um, and so it's really, really challenging for the teams to be able to be nimble enough to respond to those requirements changes. Got it. And so it's all super helpful. I know I just bombarded you here. Um, before I let you go, what would you say if you had a bunch of folks on the other side of the table here 
um, maybe CIOs, um, CTOs, operators um, that are at the beginning of an automation journey. Maybe they, they have a deadline, like you need to figure this out by peak, whatever that might be, that are really about to start um, on that path. What do you wish that they knew at that point in time? Yeah, first thing is start with the data, right? Um, digitize your operations that you have now. Sometimes the best automation projects have no physical hardware being installed. We're deploying software to automate a process that gives us telemetry on what really is happening in the system. Um, start small, start simple with the solution and go after something that has a very discrete proven ROI um, and go after a project that has no more than six months, right? And it's deployment. Um, the next is plan for iteration, plan for learning something with your team, right? So don't deploy a team to go do the automation and assume that everything's going to be perfect. We only have one month of support. Um, really think about, okay, now we've built, we've got it live. What are we measuring to learn mm -hmm. so that we can apply this build, measure, learn mentality yeah. that we know in products. Right. Um, and, and we love that mentality, right? Yeah. Cause that's how we create a lot of the innovation in the space. Yeah. Um, I think those teams need to employ that same mindset when they go into automation projects. Be ready to learn, be ready to iterate, and uh, be ready for the next automation project that will never inevitably have. Yeah, absolutely. It's a continuous cycle, right? Yeah. Um, just because you know businesses will change and evolve, right? So that needs to be, uh, yeah, perfect. Thank you so much, Nick. Absolutely. Thanks Cheers. so much, Floyd. Cheers.